0: You're listening to the iFanboy Pick the Week podcast, episode 342, brought to you by the Seagate GoFlex satellite, graphically, and iFanboy listeners like you. to the iFanboy Pick the Week podcast, episode 342. My name is Ron Richards, and I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. <laughs> Hello. Good one, Ron. Thank you. Hold it together. And Josh Flanagan. How's everybody doing today? I was so tempted to say something else. We are from the website ifanboy.com, which is all about the enjoyment of comic books and the world of comic books. And every week we read a big stack of comics and one of us goes to the website and writes a review of the book that he deems the pick of the week. And we come back here to discuss it as well as all the other great books that came out this week and other comics fun happy times. we, We hope they're happy. They're meant to be happy. Um, we might reboot or relaunch. I don't know. We're still we're still working. We can start from number one. Yeah, we're well,
1: let's just, do that. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a great idea. Can
0: we get a new f- name? Yep. <laughs> so uh, before we get to the show, just a quick reminder. That Doorcast, we're, geek, we're, Geeks. Something. We need to get we need to get the word geek in there. I think we need to get the. I want. I just want to make sure it says nerd. You know, just I nerd geek like, for, forecast, yeah. and we do the weather yeah. as well. Geeks explosion. S- so quick warning. We're going to talk about what happens in the book. So if you haven't read your books, we might spoil them. So make sure you've read your books um, and press pause and come back and listen after you've read them or just be warned that we're going to ruin it for you. So you'll find out who killed Captain America. Sorry. What? I'm, I'm also doing the podcast as if it was 2006. Oh, okay. <laughs> Crossbones! So, all right. This week, Connor had the pick, and it was a very familiar one at that. Well, I was writing a pick
2: of Luke review, and I was trying to think of a book that has come out of nowhere, like Fury Max, that we have all loved, the three of us, and not expected to love. Like Saga, we all knew we were going to love, but Fury Max, I wasn't expecting. The first
1: Rocketeer Adventures, maybe that's the closest. Yeah.
2: Fury Max number four was the pick of the week, and I love it. I know Josh loved it. I know Ron has loved it up to this point. I haven't talked about this issue yet, though. Ron, did you love this issue as well, as much as I did?
0: Oh, I, I absolutely love this issue. That was in, the right answer. In, yes. in the, in
2: the, we're going to shut the show down if you said no. It was, it's true. In, in the first uh, issue of Fury Max, the first page showed us a grizzled old man Fury sitting in a terrycloth robe with a drink in his hand and a cigar and recording into a reel-to-reel machine. It, 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 his his adventures. His dictaphone. It's his dictaphone. His, his, his adventures. He was talking about his time in uh, Indochina, which was Vietnam. And this issue, this is the start of the second arc, which is a great job at on Point if you haven't read the first arc. Uh, we camera pulls back a bit to show now that the bed next to him is full of three naked hookers who have been passed out because Fury is just too much man for them.
0: Hey, I, hey, I'm not paying you to sleep. <laughs> yeah. So the, the one, one has can only a, imagine
2: what we're going to see in the next arc when it pulls out even further. The,
1: the one has one long tube sock.
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Just one. Man, Parlov,
2: um, Parlov is awesome. Parlov is awesome, but who's even more awesome is that Garth Ennis is sort of made to write these stories. And we, we've talked a lot about how, how he writes great war stories, and that's his really main interest, and he wishes he could write war stories all the time in comics, but no one buys them. Uh, so what he does is he manages to backdoor in war stories through the characters of, like Nick Fury in these Max books. He wrote another mini-series of Fury stories way back in the early part of the decade, uh, last decade. Um this so yeah, and uh, and born as well. So this is the first first arc. We had Fury in Indochina, and this arc opens in nineteen sixty one. He's training um, Cuban exiles for the Bay of Pigs, and he's not happy because because he knows it's a clusterfuck. He knows it's a clusterfuck. He also doesn't. Li- he misses being in the field. He doesn't like being a training officer. He doesn't like s- not being able to be out there and help the guys that he's trained. And he but he also knows that Bay of Pigs is a disaster waiting to happen, and you can really tell. I wrote my review that Ennis is a history buff. He uses Fury as his mouthpiece to explain why they should have known from the beforehand that it was going to be a disaster, which it was. If you didn't know anything about history, you know that it was a disaster. The invasion was repelled, and Castro was still in power. To this day, the Castro family. So Fury is not happy, and he wants to convince the government not to go through with it. But instead of that happening, he goes to a meeting with a bunch of grizzled old Cuban exiles who are sort not of not Ernest char- Hemingway, but <laughs> who are sort of in charge of the whole thing, working with the government. And they tell Fury they want him to go into Cuba and assassinate Castro before the invasion because they feel like if Castro's dead, the invasion will work. It's a setup issue. We get the major players, we get the major scenarios, and where they are and who's there, who everyone is. Mostly it's just about Ennis writing a wonderfully interesting and fun Nick Fury with amazing Gorlin Parloff art.
0: The kind of Nick Fury that I want to read. Yes. Because there are different types of Nick Fury and quite honestly I kind of feel bad for people who are reading comics – only within the past couple of years because you've been deprived of the good Nick Fury. Really, just
2: Nick Fury in general. Yeah, He he was in Secret Warriors, John Hickman's book. But other than that, he was relegated to the background. He he was taken out of his post as head of S.H.I.E.L.D. and now he's being replaced by his son, Nick Fury Jr. And uh, Wait, is that a real thing? Yeah.
1: Oh, that's horrible. (laughs) He's
0: Nick Fury Jr. Jackson, you didn't know that? and And he looks shockingly like Ultimate Nick Fury, a movie Nick Fury. Oh, is that what? That's how they're doing it. Yep. Huh. We have an article on our website. Yeah, battle scars. So, so it's the perfect
2: character for him. He's battle hardened. He's super capable, but he's also he he doesn't you know always win. He didn't he didn't win the last arc. His unit was wiped out by the Vietnamese. So he's he's a great soldier, but he's also human, and he's uh you know he likes to drink and he likes to fuck and he likes to fight. And uh, it's uh, the perfect kind of thing for Garth Ennis, who you know comes around to remind everyone that hey, I'm still one of the best writers in comics.
1: Don't forget that. I tell you what, my favorite moment from this whole book was um, the, the first page. Speaking to that, well, that no, that was fun, but uh, at the the very last page actually. The girl walks up and she she walks. She decides she's going to marry the senator. You know, thirty six. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And she walks away. In the last three panels, you know, there's only one line of dialogue, and it's that senator saying, "That's mine." Yep. And it doesn't say she. He says that. Mm-hmm. And it just says, you know, like you know. And then he's behind him, sort of steaming. Like yeah. it just. It says everything about the relationship of those three characters with one another at that time. I, and it's just, it's just elegant. It's really, yeah. really nice.
0: It, I mean, there, you, there's an elegance to this book that is like no other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The Parloff art really needs to be talked about more because... Yep. Uh, do you remember how,
2: Rod, we loved the Avengers 1959 because it had sort of that old school vibe? And here, you similarly, I mean, in that scene, Nick Fury's got the old, you know, collared, the yellow shirt, which it looks like it just could be a college from any era, but the coloring... The cut of the shirt, it looks like a 1960s shirt. And it has it's a Kramer shirt. Yeah, it yeah. has a kind of vibe. And Parloff's, he does lots of different characters. He does lots of different nationalities. He does all the different background scenarios, locations, and it's all very authentic and genuine looking. And it's really. Well,
1: yeah, look at the, the girl's hair. Look at her, her swimsuit. He's made it all authentic. He's done. The only thing I noticed, there is one page where it looks like he put some big tribal tattoo on, the, on one of the guy's arms in the training base when they're at the airfield, which doesn't seem to fit. Just kind of weird. It's one of the Cuban something or others
0: nationalists.
1: Yeah, the thing where they're talking about the oh, I see that. Yeah,
0: I see it. Yeah, when they're on the on the landing strip, they do the hat. Yep. Yeah. yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah, that's a little weird. But besides that, yeah. This is a book that you wouldn't think that all three of us love, but all three of us love. It's it's quite unlikely. It is, but but it's but it it goes to, it goes to a show that it's like it's fucking good. Like when it's in Garth Ennis' wheelhouse, you know, like I know I didn't read those dynamite I hope that makes the trade. <laughs> went, you know, like I I didn't read those dynamite books that you guys read. Like I'm not totally as much as into the warb stuff as you guys are, but like Parlov's art is great, and this this just sucks you into the world. And there's something that, and I don't know if it's it's by doing the framing sequence of an older Fury looking back, but it's like it's very cinematic. It's very like I got lost in this, and you just for a moment you're in 1960 whatever 1962 in Cuba, you know. And it's 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 amazing how something so cartoony as Parlov's art, uh, and but is so grounded in reality and real events, can almost transport you to the where the story is taking place.
1: It's yeah. just still just great illustration. Yeah, yeah. you know, yep. great, great comic book storytelling. Yeah,
0: that's great. But it was a, it was a week of unlikely of unlikely shared enjoyments because <laughs> uh, talk about the uh, talk about the book least likely for all of us to enjoy as much as we did. But did you read He Man and the Masters of the Universe number can one? Can I can I say this is the best Philip Tan art
1: I've ever seen? It yes. really is. Yeah, yes. yeah.
0: This is so written by James Robinson with art by Philip Tan, and this is—I mean. This is great. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> almost must- as good as the ad for the power con on the back of the book. What is up with that? <laughs> with, with Tim Seeley <laughs> in the lower right-hand corner looking completely out of place. I know. <laughs> so, by a never, f- if you ever get
1: the chance to look at the guy who did the voice of Lion-O, don't.
2: Yeah. Thundercats, he He used to do voices on Inus. Larry Kenny. Now... Did you you know you're you're at a Thundercats He-Man con when the He-Man marketing manager is a featured guest? <laughs>
0: this is, and it's sponsored by MTV Geek. What the fuck?
1: What we did was type up a press report. We
0: sent it out <laughs> to everybody.
1: Anyway, In those days,
0: we had facts. Anyway, regardless, this is James Robinson. While we've you know we've read a lot of James Robinson's superhero stuff over the past couple of years. But uh, he's good at this kind of story. Yeah. You know, and like, and, and while uh, his old creator-owned book with Paul Smith, Leave of the Chance, wasn't as, I don't want to say medieval, but uh, wasn't as kind of fantasy-based on this, it k- this kind of reminded me of the, because Leave of the Chance had a little bit of fantasy element to it, but this is very much uh, like, this was great. <laughs> I was surprised. That, that- they did, t- I mean, they tweaked the story. It's, it's yep. not exactly
2: the story you remember from the cartoon, if you actually remember the cartoon, which, if you're our age, it was a big deal. Yeah, a big deal. Uh, I- I actually got an honorable mention in the Create the He-Man Character Contest.
0: Really? What was your character?
2: Uh, I was probably eight years old, so my character was basically He-Man's cousin. It was just He-Man again. <laughs> um, but I won the Gray Skull playset as a man. Oh, my, wow. My I, had the Gr-
0: I had the Gray Skull Castle. I had the snake. I Skeletor's Castle, Snake Mountain, and that had that really bad, cheap microphone.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> The echo
0: sound yeah
2: <laughs> but but yeah i won that for for basically uh he had a cat he rode the cat he had he was he was also he looked like he meant it was it was, was dumb so in this issue that prince adam isn't a prince he's wait wait a, wait, you know, wait
0: wait minute, wait, 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 connor. wait 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 go back <laughs> to connor connor you
1: created keldor
0: <laughs> <laughs> did i no keldor was skeletor before skeletor <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 yeah. no he has heads cousin. connor oh. what what was your character's gimmick he, there was no gimmick he was basically the same thing he was he had just a what was, his, I just, what was I just changed name? the name did you notice that all the he-man figures were basically the he-man body yes
1: yeah yeah because we're not morons
0: <laughs> <laughs> when the, the I moment, mean I was five and I got that uh, the moment Beast man came out I got I got ex- in this comic I got excited I'll back it up
1: if I was 11 or 12 this would have been the greatest thing on earth it was a little sparse it wasn't like i I don't really care
0: I what mean, happens it's so, it to so, he-man it's now. Still, it's totally playing on the nostalgia angle. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Which you know, I'm not necessarily no, the, the page, the page where
2: Beast Man walks in was great. Yeah, that, yeah, I was really impressed by Philip Tan this year, and that's if you know me, that's a pretty bold statement to make. Hey, but
1: uh...
0: no, last, it was well done. It, the, it wasn't. It wasn't bad. On the last yeah. page, when Skeletor is sitting on his, cr- is he holding Hordak's head? Looks like it.
1: Isn't that? That's weird. There's a word that's never been said here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hordak. Do you remember <laughs> Hordak. Hordak?
1: Is he the one that had all the sort of interchangeable bits?
0: No, no, no. Hordak was when, they, when, when Skeletor got a little tired, they needed to introduce a new villain.
1: So he was the Serpentor of the He-Man. Yeah, you know? yes. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: He was like, he was like the, the second wave of villains. If oh. you punched him in the chest, his little thing
1: flipped around to show damage.
0: No, that was battle damage That He-Man. was battle damage Skeletor. Yeah, and battle damage Skeletor. Was part, well, he
1: was part of one of those kind of lines. Yeah,
2: yeah. He-Man, that... it was He-Man had one It was a whole battle damage line. I had oh, yeah, be...
1: no, yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, man. Uh, who was it? It was uh, Trapjaw. With Remember, the hook on his head, he, he, yeah, no, he, yeah, with the hook on his head, because you could make him ride a zip line down his head, and then he also he could change, he could change his arm to different guns. The best was Mechanek who could get Mechanek Mechanek.
1: It's <laughs> like, hold on, we, so could somebody look over this fence? <laughs> yeah, he, hang on, hang on. It's it's only eight feet, so I can totally do this. <laughs> Nine feet yep. though. I'm just screwing yeah, you. They're over
0: there. Triclops, they're, they're definitely over there. Remember Triclops? He just had three different had, eyes. Different eyes, (laughs) or Manny faces. He had the the man's face. Then there was the robot, and then there was the monster. (laughs) It's like the Graveshill kids. Oh, they 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 were such great characters. Ram Man, Ram Ram Man. They finally they they changed up
1: the model. Yeah, they did. So if you're at all interested in the story, uh, Adam is not
2: a prince. He's a woodsman, and he's he's in the woods, you know, doing his job, cutting down trees. And he has some sort of uh, vision of himself as He Man, and. Something's going on, and this mysterious bird gets him to follow him into the woods where he runs into Beast Man. And fi- you find out that Adam is not all he seems, and Skeletor is sending people to kill Adam because he is afraid of him, because
0: clearly he is He
2: Man. Uh, I believe he. Can, I believe he
0: is a prince. Can we just yeah. screw the rest of the show and talk about He-Man for the rest of yes. the show? Let's let's totally just become a He-Man podcast.
2: I, I colored in uh, Man at Arms' face to give him a mustache because the toy didn't have the
0: mustache. You're like, right. The, yes. The, yeah.
2: I, I colored on a mustache for oh, him. Oh no! So. I,
0: I. It's funny because I reversed that because I had the figure first on the car. Then I watched the cartoon and I was pissed that that he had a mustache in the cartoon because he didn't have one on the figure. That was, that, I remember like getting man-in-arms is my
1: first e- he-man figure like i'd get a present on christmas eve just one yeah i opened it up and i was like what the fuck is this? <laughs> what's this what's this dude do i had no other characters i got that guy i was like where's fucking he-man <laughs> <laughs> who's this green bitch he had, he had yellow armor strapped to his arms and legs yeah. yeah yeah great i mean it's just like he-man from the neck down <laughs> <Ten>. <laughs> with, a, with a lame helmet why the fuck have, can't Battle Cat move?
2: That page boy haircut. Yeah. Battle Cat had a nice felt skin, which was cool.
1: No, yeah. no, that was... Uh, oh, Puma. Puma, yeah. no, that was... Yeah. Skeletors yeah, that, had that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. What are we going to name this girl? Evil Lynn. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, like, Evil that
1: Lynn. That was somebody's <laughs> ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, Lynn? Well, I named a toy after you. I'll see you in court. They wouldn't <laughs> let me do bitch Lynn, so it's <laughs> Evil Lynn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know that was probably one of the guys on the back of the comic too oh it was oh, a funny story about that mark taylor 80s he-man toy designer yep yep oh god
1: so if you want to- <laughs> and he sent Thanks. a bunch of he sent a bunch of the figures to his ex-wife <laughs> Is the action figure? No coincidence.
2: Now, uh, Avengers versus X Men number seven was the worst issue. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. It was really bad. It was rough. It I, was, I mean, it's it like repeat.
0: it's it's just Civil War.
2: It's Fraction and Coipel, and even Coipel's yeah. art was a bit off.
0: Yeah, Coipel Fra- was not as as solid as he was the like that. The first shot of Tony working, I thought it was Wolverine.
2: Yeah, yeah. This was this was the worst issue of the series yeah. so far. Yeah. This this was. It was really hard to follow the action. It was really hard to follow the story. Yep. It, it, it just this is Oh, I mean, overall enjoyed it in some sense or another every issue, but this one is the one, first one I put it down. I was like, "Uh, oh.
0: they're making it challenging. They're making I think the extended, pull, you know, making it 12 issues is not a good idea." I, don't know. I thought <sighs> yeah. for a moment I thought they killed Hawkeye, and then I was going to be impressed. Yeah. Like how? Uh, magic engulfed them in flames and burned them. And then they took his body, and and Cyclops, Phoenix is healing him, and then they're gonna put him in the in a in a in a jail cell. Okay, but not like this. <laughs> no, not like,
2: no, not like this. Not not like that at all.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, that, that's fine then. Yeah.
2: What, was, it, what like was the jail cell this. called like X,
0: X cell or something like that? Yeah, X X brig. X brig. Um, yeah. Oh, also, did you notice Colossus uh, was human form? Yeah, he was. The, yeah, which is the first time that's happened since the Juggernaut things. He's um, got big old mutton chops. Yeah, like, yeah. Elvis weird. Chops. Yeah. They're having design issues
1: with with uh, Colossus from what I understand.
0: Yeah. Basically, the big the big maneuver here is that the X-Men are kicking the Avengers' asses. And so Iron Fist comes with uh, the guy from Kunlun and says, um, we need to take Hope and trainer to fight the Phoenix. And then Tony's just like, can we all go to Kunlun? And so the Avengers are retreating to Kunlun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then Namor, Namor is attacking Wakanda because Namor's had it. So. Is Namor having an affair with Emma? I mean, they, they smooched, right? Was that happening anywhere else? <laughs> that was so know. innocent. I don't know. That was the first time they smooched in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Rough. Yeah. It was rough. It was rough. It was rough. Now, call me crazy,
2: but I thought before Watchmen, Ozymandias was might have been my favorite one.
0: Well, before we wow. get into the story, strip out all the words and just look at f- the glory of Jay Lee. Ah. I fucking love this. I loved it, yeah. I, it. I,
1: I will. it. What I thought was that at first, when my first glance looking at it, I thought this is not the same Jay Lee that we've seen. It's been a while since he's done a whole issue of a thing that I, I've read. And it looks a little different. I noted that there's a ton of profile shots. It's actually one of the easiest things to do. Like It feels like a little bit of a cheat, but it's kind of how he draws, so it fits with his style. Yeah. Then at the other hand, I was like, you know, J.H. Williams isn't the only... Or, or totally original practitioner of comic book art was the other thing about it. I actually it won me over what by a while. What, what does that mean? Like I was just looking at these pages, and I was like, these are pretty interesting, sort of out there pages. Oh, the layouts uh, and stuff. Yeah, oh, okay, just just yeah. It just like the the and the, the texture of varied. it. Yeah, the yeah, texture of the style. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, I love the circles. I mean the, 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 yeah. the I mean the, the the it almost felt vertical. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it almost felt like a, a strip of pages going and you know what I mean? Like yeah, you you, you yeah. know like in that way because because each page had a circle in it and You're each right. page it doesn't really read right to left. It reads down. It reads down. Yeah, I mean you could you could almost take this apart and stitch it into one strip and let it run. You know what I mean? Like a film strip, and and I think it would be even almost more effective.
1: I think Len Wein did a really fine. I mean, obviously, and if you don't know this at home, Len Wein was the editor for the series. He was there. For Watchmen. For Watchmen originally, so he you know, he knows it as well as anybody. He was involved in the whole thing. And unlike the pirate story, which I don't really need to get more information on, this was kind of interesting because these are the stories of Adrian is it Vite or veet I don't even know how to pronounce it. Um I would say veet Yeah. I mean these are basically expanded on the things that he talked about when he sort of gave his his origin. I think there are bits where the, the dialogue wasn't quite right wasn't quite as good as it could have been then there's the is he gay yeah i know that's the other thing too <laughs> he's Omni. yeah which which makes sense for the character i'm i'm you yeah. know to just be like whatever and also you know alexander the great let's let's yeah. be honest yep. i don't know that I, I like if you strip away what it is and again this, yeah, this is
2: strip. a This is what you have to do for me anyway is as a story on its own i found it wonderfully intriguing i liked the whole journey he took and now, when you get to the end and he puts the suit on, I might, I might not find that part interesting. But I like the whole the journey through Turkey and and recreating the Alexander uh, the Great steps and building his fortune. I, I like, I thought it was interesting as a standalone story of a guy. You know, doesn't have to necessarily be Ozymandias. Yeah, but in that case, it was just the the story they
1: already told. God, I'm North jumping Street through so too. many
2: mental hoops to enjoy these books.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, 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 mean, I feel the same way about this one that I did about the, you know, the last one. Like it was good.
0: Right. Yeah, it's there tough. It it's is. tough. I, don't, I mean, it's again, I feel the, the same way as I did the last one. Like, admittedly, this one's staying away from the Watchmen story, at least for now. Um, and it does give a lot more information about Ozymandias, but I kind like, I don't know if I want to know this. You yeah. Know? Yeah, that's, yeah. But then,
2: pretty, you don't need to. I mean, then just disregard it. Yeah. I mean, no, exactly. it's, it's fan fiction, basically. Well, once I know, it's hard to ignore it. Actually, you know what it was? It was like, I was thinking about this as I was reading it. It was. Like how many of those Star Wars novels did you read? Oh, so, oh, oh so many. Thirty, forty. Yeah, yeah. I read at
1: least that many.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, until it ch- killed Chewbacca.
0: Yeah, and yeah. Then, that's, that's when I stopped too. Yeah, So I was,
1: I was halfway through one of the Rogue Squadron books and I just went, "What am I doing? They were great, <laughs> that was, that was literally that it. Those were great books. No, it was, it, it, was <laughs> it was, and it was fine. Though, but I just thought, I, I, what am I doing?
2: But, but think about how many, think about how many things that those books changed or explained or retcon. I don't remember any of it. What exactly? So the point is, like, you can, you can wipe that shit away if you don't like it. Yeah. It just it goes it'll, it goes away. It doesn't have to permanently affect your enjoyment. I watch the movies now. I don't think about those books.
1: I do a little Jedi Academy books, Rogue Squadron I know, books. I didn't get that far. I just read the Zahn trilogy. Oh no, I read.
0: All I read. The, I read all the, books. the, the yeah. Jedi Academy the tales. Yeah,
1: tales of tales from the
0: cantina. I, and tales. The... I, I, I do.
1: I think of the tales books every time I see any of those characters in either the cantina, Jabba's palace, or the bounty hunters.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tales right. of the bounty hunters was awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Han yeah. Solo adventures. Yeah. yeah. Those old ones are written in the, the 80s were really good. That story about Malakili, the Rancor Keeper. Yeah. yeah, That was a good story. Yeah, great story.
2: Yep. Anyway, the point is you can get rid of that stuff if you need to. It doesn't have to permanently affect you. Yeah.
0: Chewbacca's alive. Chewbacca will always be alive. Exactly. Uh, That's but, point. <laughs> yeah, I know. This one's tough. Can we go back to talk about He-Man? Yeah. <laughs> Stink <laughs> you stink or yours. Thing about this toy is it smells <laughs> no. like shit. Wait, no, it was <laughs> it was mer it was merman's body and head painted like a skunk and smelled like shit. It didn't stink. It did stink. You just you stick
1: your nose right in there. But it's like, how many parents probably bought that and were like, wait, it does what? <laughs> Why did I do that? Why did I- I control what this kid buys and I paid for this.
0: It was a, honestly, you got from a toy standpoint, it was genius and all I had to do was sculpt the heads.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so all well, yeah. they do, they have the same bodies. They said the, the heads it was smart. Right, smart. Yeah.
0: It was really maybe, smart. Maybe a different harness.
1: A carapace.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, but um, uh, Manny faces had some more sculpting going on there. They, was that was a dense figure too. You could, I could hit somebody with that Manny Faces yeah, but and hurt them. Name, he, he was pretty. He had the same legs and
1: and thatch. Brief. True.
0: Yeah. No, it's the head part that was really heavy. That was yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: The four horsemen, the He-Man toy sculptors, didn't have to do a lot of body sculpting. <laughs> no, and they like like, whenever they got to something that was hard, they just decided not to do it well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like they, were, they were like Orko. Nah, he's just, he's solid. Oh, Orko. You see, fucking Orko. Because Orko was a product of the cartoon. Yeah. Orko was an OG. And then they did make the Orko figure, and it was one of those things where you put the plastic thing in and pulled it out, and it would zoom across the table. Yeah, he was <laughs> solid. Yeah, yeah. Tila? Do you remember Tila? Tila, yeah. yeah. It's a girlfriend. Yeah, man-at-arms' uh, Man is a uh, daughter, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And She-Ra. And then well, Shira came yeah. and changed
2: the game. Yeah,
0: Shira was annoyed because then it was like, no, it's for girls too. <laughs> but it wasn't. I know it wasn't. All right. Well, <laughs> we would like to thank Seagate GoFlex Satellite for sponsoring this episode. And if you need an external hard drive, you really need to take a look at the Seagate GoFlex Satellite. It's the only wireless portable hard drive that can stream content to your iPad and up to eight other devices, Android devices, tablet devices, anything you might have. You can stream uh, media content to it. It's got a 500 gig hard drive, Wi-Fi access, and a rechargeable battery. Satellite can carry your entire library of video, music, pictures, and documents to be shared on your iPad or any. Other device via the free GoFlex Media app or the web browser. So check it out. Go to ifn.by/seagate-goflex, and we'll have a link on the show notes for this episode. And honestly, if you've got kids and you travel road trips, or if you're going if you're going on a flight, if you're going to San Diego Comic Con, you want to watch some things on the plane, you can bring. Just, you, you're not limited to storage on your device. Just watch this and shut up. Yes, yeah. <laughs> kid. Um, you're almost there. Are you there yet? Uh, I try not to be. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, see player. when he's older and when you drive to Florida then see. No,
1: how I mean, I get that. The, No, we don't have anything in that car yet. Yeah. It's cool. Although is we've he, been listening. We listen to Elmo songs when we're nice. in the car together a lot. Nice. And it's, no, it's not nice. It's the worst thing that's ever happened to ears. <laughs> is He-Man on Netflix? I think He-Man is on Netflix. That it cartoon? is.
0: You got to start making you know, him watch He-Man. Oh. You know who
1: worked on He-Man, don't you?
0: Who? Paul Dini. J. Michael, J. Michael Straczynski. And Paul Dini. Yeah. Yeah, You know what's also on Netflix is the classic He-Man holiday special where Skeletor <laughs> yells about <laughs> the Christmas spirit. <laughs> oh,
1: Jesus. <laughs> I don't think we're as good at this as we are with G.I. Joe, I'll All right, be honest. So-
0: Thank you, C.J. GoFlex, for sponsoring this episode and for our event at the San Diego Comic-Con, which we'll be talking about later in the episode. Animal Man number 11, and I'm going to say something
2: that is maybe controversial but not to these two guys, and that is that... Alberto Ponticelli should be the new artist on Animal Man, all with due respect to Steve Poe, who or Pugh. whoever, who was good, who was very good. But Alberto Ponticelli really captures the feel that Travel Foreman set up in the, in the first couple of issues, that really weird, sort of unusual vibe that Pew has sort of smoothed out a bit.
0: Agree. Uh, I agree. I agree. Yep. Yeah. Totally
2: agree. We all agree. Alberto Ponticelli was great. I mean, yeah. this was a, a contender for Pick of the Week because it really brought that vibe back that the Travel Foreman issues had. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no. I, this this was it, it's funny because Ponticelli isn't doing it exactly like Foreman, um, no. but it's 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 like you said, it's that vibe. It's very much that vibe. He's giving it his own look. It's different from what he did on Frankenstein, and it fits within the look of this book. I gotta admit though, the the story's starting to get a little long in the tooth.
2: Well, I was glad to see. <laughs> that. I was glad to see next Swamp Thing because they really need to yeah. get to that point. Yeah, we've, exactly. We've been sort of hovering, waiting for this crossover, and now apparently it's going to happen.
1: Still in the parking lot by the RV. Right, exactly. All relationships are the same. Yep. The mother is angry. Yep. And no one really likes Buddy.
0: <laughs> Nobody does, except for oh. Animal Man. And the, the cat. Oh wait, no. Like I'm sorry. Buddy is Animal Man. I mean the kid. What's the no, clip? no, What's Cliff? The, no, Cliff. Oh, I hate Cliff. Yeah, but the mother likes
1: Cliff, and yeah. I, he's you know. Yeah. Animal he's, Man's he's, a shapeshifter now. He should have gotten you know what Cliff is Cliff is like the prototype for Damien. He was the first snotty preteen kid that Grant Morrison wrote. Yeah, it's true. That's a good point.
0: So another Rocketeer Adventures issue another uh, the last issue of Rocketeer Adventures two, issue number four, right? This is the last issue.
2: I, I think the last issue in general, they're they're moving out of the the series by Wade and Samny.
0: Yeah. Uh- uh-huh. So we got, we got a little Simonson action with, with a story by Louise and an art by Walt.
2: Uh, that was fine. To me, the draw was the middle story, the uh, Warlord of
0: Blargon. The sci-fi one with art by
2: J-Bone. Yeah, which I didn't like at first, but then once I figured out what they're doing, I started laughing. Yep. And I, I laughed through the whole story. They, they took the uh, trope of sort of an Adam Strange or John Carter scenario where you know, Cliff gets shot into a... Some sort of portal ends up in an alien world, and he communicates with the aliens, or he thinks he communicates with the aliens, but in fact everything he thinks is happening is the exact opposite of what's happening, and I thought yeah. it was very very funny.
0: I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say the last story with art by John Byrne looked great. Yes. Looked really good. John right. Byrne fits this style. Yeah, he does. Yeah, who knew? And there's some backgrounds, too. <laughs> I mean, not in, every, not in every page of panel, but there's he—, he, let's, he not, yeah. let's not get out of here. Come on. Yeah, but this was, this was some good John Byrne.
2: I think overall the second mini has been good. Not as great as the first one. I think the talent level is a little bit higher in the first one. But uh, still very enjoyable. And this issue particularly, it was good.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Fun. So I, I wasn't on the show when the first issue came out. So, uh, and so I wanted to make sure to talk about what the second issue. Are you guys reading Mind Management by Matt Kenton from Dark Horse? Nope. Uh, I thought uh, it was Mind Management. Mind Management? Management? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The abbreviation mm-hmm. of management. This is Fantastic. I mean this is and, and and the thing is is that like you, you I definitely understand that Matt Kent might be an acquired taste and if you didn't read Super Spy, you might not really get the art style or anything like that, but this is right in that Super Spy kind of vein and it just it looks great. He's got it. He's got a great premise going on with the story, um, and it's a mystery. Uh, two issues in, and I'm totally hooked. And it's got little backup stories. It's got a little background information on the inside cover, front cover, and back cover, and then it's got a little backup story at the end. And the, the backup story from the first issue tied into what's going on in the main story in this issue and the second issue. It's just it's great. I mean, it's it's a little out there, a little more alternative of things, but it's uh, but I love Kent's art style. It's done on this like you can see the blue line like it's part of the design element like it's just such a like crafted book i just love it
1: I, it took me like a month to get through super spy and i started i tried to read this and i was bored by it uh,
0: well you're missing out says you i see
2: earth two number three brought, brings us uh, green lantern's origin uh, alan scott has now become green lantern and what's interesting is i really like his costume design And so i think yeah. it's the first one that i've seen from the new 52 that i've liked because it's it's a simple design so, yeah, it's not it's, bad. It's so, the first one that's not overly designed. There's not a lot of uh, extra elements that don't need to be there as opposed agree. to, like, flashes, which is makes you wonder who designed this costume.
0: To- totally agreed. And so de- in Earth 2, is Green Lantern's powers related to the Swamp Thing powers? That's the question now, isn't the it? The Green? He says he, it's, he's a piece of instrument of the Green. Isn't that Swamp Thing? Yes. I assume that
1: because this is a different world a dimension, yeah, that it does not operate under the same elemental rules. But it's the probably not the same rules, but it's the same setup.
2: It's the green versus the gray and the gray,
0: the rot. I'll tell, is you. Rotten I'll tell death. you
1: something: the green is a bit of a bitch.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta Lob, say, I, I gotta say the 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 end of the issue with Grundy. I was like, oh Grundy, well yeah. I done. liked this a lot. It I was great. This. Yeah, Marilyn Manson. Like Grundy, this. even though even though they killed the boyfriend.
2: But that's the normal superhero trope. Yeah, I know. Everyone's oh, har- I- harping about it, but killing that loved one is one of the oh, main the origin stories. Yeah, I I mean, know.
1: it's a it's a cliche either way. At least they didn't put him in a refrigerator. Uh, Josh did not like this issue. I no, I just didn't. It was it was fine. Like it didn't really affect me one way or another. It was there was a lot of just Alan Scott yelling at a cloud.
0: Yeah, there was. <laughs> just,
1: and, the, and the cloud was kind of like irritated. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and then like he's like all right I'm fine I'm in let's do this <laughs> uh, I like Hawk Girl a lot as yeah. a character I was glad to see her show up but she... I like that Jay Garrick anybody... does I like that Jay
2: Garrick couldn't fight mm-hmm. you know like normally you get these powers and they're often running but like he he's like I can take this I can run fast but he doesn't know what to do with that right I agree he doesn't really know how to
1: harness it which is a nice touch
0: yeah
2: but I, I'm enjoying this I'm enjoying I, yeah I,
0: I, I love it so, I will tell you what I
1: think that James Robinson does really well almost better than anybody he he. he he really remembers the hero in a superhero story. He captures that wonder that we, we lose a little bit with a lot of stuff because it's so psychological and, and everything. And he's trying to be like, no, these these people are heroes, and, and they do things for the good, and you know, and people know it. Uh, I like that a lot. I like that. I think animals.
2: that's the Alan Scott element. He just he's like, all right, I gotta do this thing. I'm gonna do it. I'm because uh, that's my personality. Yep. I like that. Yeah. So those are the books we wanted to talk about this week, but if you go to ifamway.com slash comics, you can make your own pull list, rate and review your books, and you can uh, write re- user reviews and make your own picks of the week, and we can f- feature them on the show, and let's go to the top five picks of the week as chosen by the audience. This is a nice spread uh, numbers-wise this week. This, this yeah, week. even. Uh, number five was Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number 12 with 8.8%. Number four was Fury Max number four with 9.5%. Number three was Before Watchmen Ozymandias. Number one with 10%, number two is Animal Man, number two is 17.7%, and number one was Earth 2, number three with 21% of the votes. Man,
0: He-Man didn't place?
2: He-Man did not place. Damn it. He-Man might have been six.
0: (laughs) All right, so on to some user reviews. The Walrus 1235 reviewed Thief of Thieves number six, a series that I've been enjoying a lot out of, and the Walrus 1235 gave the story of 5 out of 5 and the art of 5 out of 5 a perfect book which I don't know if I agree with that. But um not many agreed with the Walrus 1235 as only 0.5% of you made it your pick of the week and that might have just been the Walrus 1235. I'm just gonna keep saying the Walrus one two three five. He may not have made it a pick. We don't know. Oh, yeah, did knows? you Did you practice the name before you read it out loud? Because that could trip a lot of people up. <laughs> thief, a thief scratches an itch that I didn't even realize I really had. So often we as readers get comfortable with the books we read. By that I mean we begin to understand how a writer works, how they plot their stories, and what direction characters and plots will take. Even the unexpected can can become well expected. It is incredibly refreshing to have a good old switcheroo pulled on you. And maybe that's why I'm so in love with this issue. In a time where things feel either editorially mandated or contrived, a genuine, quote-unquote, I-didn't-see-that-coming moment just feels nice. And to build to it over a few pages instead of just dropping it into the last moment. That makes me one happy comic book reader. And yeah, I mean, Nick Spencer, Robert Kirkman, Sean Martinborough have done a great job on Thief of Thieves, I think. I've been enjoying every issue. It's kind of fallen into that... It's it definitely has a rhythm where it, it's been consistent from issue to issue, but the the twist in this one was definitely well received and it was it was a good, just a good a good comic.
2: Josh, did you did you drop off the book like I did?
0: Oh yeah, I read the first one. Yeah, I'll be curious if you I give it, a three in, I think. If, if you give it a shot in the trade, I'd be curious what you think of the complete story.
1: Yeah, I like, probably like, would be
0: more more likely to read it that way. Yeah, maybe.
1: Roger Whitson of Action Comics 11 gives the story a five out of five and the art a five out of five, and the pick of the week percentage was 1.4%. And he says, uh, Morris and Superman isn't afraid to get his hands dirty, but he also asks everybody else to pitch in, and they do. Simple. When a reporter asks him about the value of the new apartments he builds with the tenants, he says, What? I'm sorry. I hear smoke over in Baker Line. Scenes like this and the one with Superman questioning the role of the JLA in the last issue shows just how powerful Superman can be as an example, especially if DC editorial would let him be the hero Morrison clearly wants him to be. The contrast (laughs) (laughs) – There's a lot of tinkering going on in the back. Very presumptuous there. The contrast between this book and the stumbling Superman is almost night and day. I'm sick of whiny Superman involved in superpowered battles that have absolutely no significance. Ditch the space station and bring it back to Earth. Make the idealistic folk champion of the oppressed that reminds everyone else why they became heroes in the first place. Wow.
2: Strong okay, words, Roger. It was a really good story. The art it was rough because it was two different artists. Man, and was... the
0: art on the art this book is the tragedy. That's the thing. If they could really just give him one artist
2: who can do a monthly book, I don't care. even It doesn't yeah. have to be Rags Morales. It obviously can't be Rags Morales, and I'm sorry, but give him one artist.
0: That's the, that's the thing is that, is that it, it loses any sort of momentum because there's no consistency there. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I'm just going to go read All-Star <laughs> Superman again. <laughs> a story-wise, I thought story-wise was Story-wise great. is great, yeah, yeah.
2: But oh, it just, it's a tragedy. It's tragic. What is what is his new identity's name? Johnny? What? Uh, no, John Clark. No, Johnny Clark. Yeah, so Johnny everybody Clark. calls him Johnny Clark yeah. he has faked Clark Kent's death to hide from this supervillain trying to kill him. So he's now Johnny Clark, the fireman.
0: And he's got no originality when it
2: comes to names.
0: Yeah, <laughs> John Clark. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but Clark, returned, John. they return.
2: They're <laughs> staying with that oh, stuff in the beginning where he's a man of the people. He, he you know he rebuilds a the building that gets burned down, and he you know he does you know he does the stuff that no one else will do, which is an interesting take on him. Yep. Now, if you're a creator or a publisher—not necessarily a He-Man book—but you could be a He-Man publisher as well. We accept all comers. If you're looking for a way to get your book in front of as many eyes as possible, as easily as possible, graphically is the best solution to do that. You can upload your books, your comic books, your children's books, your sketchbooks, your photography books, your He-Man books—just about anything graphic-based—and just a few simple steps. You're on your way to getting into the Amazon Kindle store, Barnes & Noble Nook store, Kobo, and of course the Apple iBook store. And there's no need to have readers find a specific app just made for reading comics. Send your readers to the digital bookstores where everyone is looking to get their books. Now with 29% of all adults owning tablets and e-reader devices and sales in 2007 increasing 300% from the previous year, it's a lot of potential customers. You can find the full list of pricing and services at our website. Head over to graphically.com for more details.
0: Now, you just, to to warn, just, yeah, just to warn you, yeah, if you don't have the copyright or approval. Yeah, so, you might get yeah. in trouble. Yeah. Who owns yeah. Man? Is it still Mattel? Does Mattel still exist? Yeah, I think well, it's, it's Mattel. DC has got the license right now. You know, I saw a girl the other day with the Mattel logo tattooed on her foot. And I was like, there's some dedication. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Hey, wow. That's a beautiful hey, tattoo gave, also. Yeah. They gave, they gave us a lot of good times. They did. They really did. Yeah. I, I mean, nothing you know, but
2: good feelings about Mattel. Mattel I'm a tattoo.
0: Hasbro and Kenner and the whole, yeah. yeah. Cool. So uh, on to the emails. Our first email comes from Chris who writes in and says, I'm currently riding the bus home to New York City and I'm reading all about Marvel's announcements regarding Remender and Hickman's respective Marvel books. And he's referring to the Marvel Now announcement that happened last week or th- this week. Last week. Yeah. I feel like both could be pretty cool, both based on our teams and the writing. Remender sounds a little more up my alley because it seems to be a bit more focused on a core group, something I feel that is a lost concept in Avengers titles these days. I read that Hickman plans on having his Avengers consist of 18-plus members. That's really the only turnoff for me. All the creative talent adds up to titles I'm willing to try. I almost said something instead of titles. I almost said something else. But am I the only one? I can can see that. (laughs) But am I the only one who misses the days of focused team books, meaning with a core lineup? That you follow and act as a team? Remember the days of the Blue and Gold X-Men squads? Bomber Jacket Avengers? Yes, I like that. Heroes Return Avengers or any of the other classic lineups that were, sta- that were stable over a period of time that let characters interact and develop together? Isn't 18-plus members just a few too many? Doesn't it water down the concept of the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes when every character in the Marvel Universe is an Avenger? What do you guys think? Are you for the overwhelming cast sizes that have been around and will continue to be around? Referring to Hickman's Avengers, not Remenders. What's an ideal team cast size for you? Well, I think the first thing in this is to reserve judgment until you read the book. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe 11 of them will be killed in the first issue.
0: Yeah. That said, you, you hearken back to the X-Men Blue and Gold te- teams. The, 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 that was 20 people alone. Yeah. By the way. And, and also the Avengers, I mean, they they were never a
2: stable team. They that, were constantly changing members.
0: That said, Chris does bring up a good point that there was a time in, I don't know about DC, and kind of, you can probably fill me in on this, but mm-hmm. and no, actually DC as well. There was a time when the quote-unquote team book had either five or seven members. Yeah, five or seven. Seven, yeah. Five or seven was always seems to be the core of it, and... At least in the X-Men books, there was always five or seven, and then uh, when I was reading Grant Morrison's JLA, there were seven in that as well. I feel like But he seven, kept adding. Yeah, he did keep yeah. adding. No, but he would sub oh, out yeah. too. He would remove that, wouldn't No, he? but it started with seven, and they went to the, the Pantheon. Oh, was you're like right. 12 yeah. or 15. Yeah, you're right. Yeah.
2: They tell different kinds of stories, and I can see Chris's point both ways. Yeah. Because... Uh, like I was thinking about like Justice, the cartoons. Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Justice League focused on the seven core members although they had Hawkgirl instead of uh, Aquaman. And then they had Justice League Unlimited which had like a hundred members in the team. And I much preferred the first one because you had to focus on those characters. Yeah. On the other hand you can tell interesting stories with giant teams. I mean they the satellite era of Justice League had 20 people in the team. Right. And so you can, I mean, there's there's good stories to be had both ways. It just depends on what kind of story you're into.
0: You know, you know what's funny is that it's funny to see the the writers' different approaches because I've heard writers and panels and interviews we've done stuff like that when they're doing the team books. Sometimes they're picking characters based on powers, mm-hmm. like all right, I need a flyer for this scene. All right, so we'll pull in the, you know, like it's just like I think that's that as opposed to it being like a character-based story where it's you know you're watching Vixen get redeemed or whatever. No, They just needed a shapeshifter, you know. Like I re- I do I feel
1: like Bendis really does it character-based. Yeah, he like, does. Wants yeah. to see how those guys interact with each other. It seems like it makes more sense on the surface as long as the story doesn't last thirteen years.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't really prefer either. I think yeah. it just depends on how the story is. I think, I think, I think, mm-hmm. I think, I trust somebody like Hickman to take a cast like that and do he, something
1: that's going to be. He had a, a shitload of characters in the Fantastic Four and
0: FF combined.
1: Yep, yeah. and
0: he, he did all right with that. Yeah, I think it's going to be all right. I mean, and Remender's. I mean, Remender's already proven himself in the team book with X Force. So as far as I'm concerned, it can only get better with the characters that he's playing with in Uncanny Avengers. So.
2: And besides, if you don't like the giant team, then don't read that book. Yeah. There's right. like five Avengers books. Read the one that fits the you know the story
1: you want to be reading. I think that's the problem. Yeah. That there's five Avengers books. Yeah.
2: You know, it's oh, or it's not a problem if you have that way. You cater to people. If somebody wants a giant team book, there's a giant team book. If somebody wants a focused small team, there's a small, there's a focus small. team. I mean, that that in that sense, it, it can be a good
1: thing. Listen, yeah. if you're
0: gonna watch, if you like Avengers, you're gonna get to read it three times a month.
1: Yes, from Hickman. Yeah, from that's Hickman. A, that's that's a lot of times. It's a lot that's, of
0: Avengers. That's the Marvel strategy.
2: Yep. John G from Louisville, Kentucky writes and says, "With DC's New 52 being compared." or return to 90s comics with their use of the era's popular writers, editors, and some storytelling tropes, how would you feel if the whole New 52 ended up being an alternate reality in the same vein as the Age of Apocalypse?" It could help to explain some of the inconsistencies in the timelines of some characters' histories and why there are so many unanswered questions. This could also help to return things to the past timeline if need be and allow new elements to be worked into that continuity. So what do you
1: think? <laughs> All right, John. It's time, for, it's time for tough love. No one cares. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I mean, there are readers who care, and you care, and that's fine, but nobody at DC cares about returning. Nope. They're interested in moving their books, and they did this, and they committed to it. And I, while I agree that I don't, the books have been great, overall uh, there are some standouts that are good and but a lot of the changes were just almost steps backwards but no one was reading it before and more people are and they're talking about them now yep. so when they're looking for an exit
0: maybe but they're, i don't see that happening they're not going to go back i uh, even no. e- even even if like you know I, I just you just can't i mean that's the thing is that you can't go back ca- caveat that by anytime soon anytime soon yeah
1: yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah, yeah. Uh, you know five years ten years yeah who knows but as it stands right now, they're, they're, they're full speed ahead with this. And it, it looks like they're driving more into the direction of the sort of return to early 90s Marvel yeah. <laughs> uh, True. for whatever they, they reason. They pushed
2: their chips into the center of the table with this thing, so they, have, they can't have yeah. they, yeah. they, they they There's too many chunks. And,
1: and, 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 and it's worked out for them relatively. Yeah. You know, like they'd sold a lot of books. They, they sold they a lot of books. They than-
2: sold a lot of trades. They've apparently sell, you know, a growing number of digital sales. I mean, they're, from a business standpoint, it seems to be a successful, or at least uh, at least for a year it has been. Who knows, you know, in two years. But, you know, it's just the way to, just look at it. If you want to look at it as an alternate timeline, look at it as an alternate timeline. Read the old, mm-hmm. read the books. I mean, they're all fictional timelines. It doesn't really... <laughs> yeah
0: all right so if you have any other questions for us you can email us at contact at but we also get voicemail from you as well and we've been getting some great voicemails so thanks to everybody who's been calling in except for the guy who called in about the rebar not, no. not, yeah. not cool man not cool C- called it twice oh. anyway so our first voicemail's got a question about a new digital series hey i fanboy sunnyville trash calling
2: from toronto canada Just wanted to see if you guys have been checking out that new Legends of the Dark Knight series. Uh, I don't know if I have really heard any talk about it on the show. I think it's been pretty great so far, seeing Jeff Lemire draw Batman. was fantastic. And I also had a question about the old Batman Legends of the Dark Knight series. Um, It's all pretty much available digitally, so I was kind of planning to go through and cherry pick at it. Just curious what were some of the uh, best arcs or runs or things to really look out for with that series.
0: Love the show. Keep it up,
1: guys. Thanks. Bye. Oh sure. The guy from Canada likes the Jeff Lemire Batman story.
0: Big surprise, surprise there. You know, I haven't read it and I've been meaning to. I just ironically, I just forget. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that.
2: Yeah. I know, I know it doesn't I know it flies in the face of all <laughs> digital conventional wisdom, but I'm not looking for you know smaller chapters more often. I'm looking for longer chapters. Interesting. So like these, I wait for these collections of the digital stories because I don't want to read nine pages a week. I yeah. want to read them all when they're done. I just done.
0: I just haven't been able to integrate it into my into my uh, rhythm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. So.
1: Oh, I totally get that. I got books yeah. all over the place with that yeah. problem.
0: Yeah. I totally want to read that. Mm.
2: It's just it's <laughs> tough. I I not want to read five pages a week. I want to read the whole thing when you're done.
1: So Connor, uh, now yeah. I I remember Legends of the Dark Knight. It was a very long running series, and it was a very cool concept. Um but I, I don't remember much specifically about it. Ran it ran from eighty nine to two thousand seven.
0: That was an example of um when I got when I got really into comics and my family acknowledged it. One Christmas I got a bunch of comics for Christmas, and it was like, you know I that moment when you when nobody understands you? <laughs> and like so, ima- so imagine young yeah, te- I do. teenage Ron open up Christmas presents in the morning and gets a copy of Legends of the Dark Knight number one, and I'm just like, oh. I, I like the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> Is it was that funny. the one you want, dear? <laughs> yeah, the, the, grandma. And then, then the next year, I got the the Robin, uh, the new Robin miniseries. Jeez, so I was like, great? Thanks.
2: I was too young for this series, and what this series was was a bunch of mostly out of continuity stories by a bunch of guys who are big names now, but weren't necessarily back then. At least not to me as a thirteen or fourteen year old kid. You know, it's not. It just wasn't. If this if this series as it was came out now, it'd probably be one of my favorites. But as a kid, it was the wrong time. So you had guys like Grant Morrison did arcs and. And uh, Garth Ennis did a couple of Batman stories there. Howard Chaykin, Matt Wagner, James Robinson, Abnett Lanning. I mean, these are guys who now would be exciting, but as a kid, they weren't on my radar. And so they I weren't the continuity, because you were like, this isn't It strange. wasn't so much that. It was just the fact okay. that they weren't guys I knew, really. So I didn't really read them. I, I, would, I would pick and choose the arcs I read, depending on who was doing it. And one of the ones I did read that I remember was a big one, was the first time you were introduced to the Venom uh, drug, which is what you know, brought Bane about, was in... Legend of the Dark Knight, and that was actually a pretty big deal at the time. And I don't remember if Bane showed up himself for the first time in Legend of the Dark Knight, but for sure the drug did, because Batman got hooked on it, and I remember he had to go into detox. But a lot of guys who are big now, McDuffie, Ostrander, John Arcudi, Bill Willingham, Devin Grayson, you know, a, lot of, a lot of people who you know, sort of cut their teeth in that book, because it was a sort of a, you know, Adam Beechin, Bruce, you know, Bruce Jones, Christos Gage, a lot of Denny O'Neill arcs. So there's a lot of good stuff in there, and if it's all available now digitally, you can go in there and find these stuff. If you Check want to read a if you want to read a Garth Ennis Batman story that's in there. If you want to read more Grant Morrison stuff from you know twenty years ago, he, Klaus Janson drew it's in there. You know, so that sounds amazing. Matt Wagner wrote drew an arc. Yeah, you know. cool. So there's good stuff in there. And it was and this would be a huge book now. This, this is sort of the, the book that the zeitgeist. You know, it's a out of continuity, high profile creator book, but it was at the time twenty in ninety two it was going up against Young Blood. So
0: it was a t- it was a tough market. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Our next voicemail's got a question about exclusivity.
2: Hey, I fanboys. John from Long Island. How you doing? So listen, I was on Twitter the other day and I saw Ryan Ottley complaining about um, exclusive contracts. He thinks they're kind of ruining comics. Uh, he said he kind of, while he loves Invincible, he'd love to go out and draw the things. And that paralyzed me for a couple hours, and I was just stuck there thinking. And after a few hours of deep thought, I realized I would love to see him draw some other stuff even though I like Invincible a whole lot. So is there anybody else like that in the industry that's tied down in one area that you'd love to see do some other work around? Or uh, what do you think about his um, comments about the exclusivity of artists? Love to hear what you think, guys.
0: That's a great question, and I really – I had to think about it for a good – it's like six hours. I sat and we, thought about it. We, yeah. had a, we had a meeting. Yeah, I know. Yeah, where we just – the thing was is like, listen, we need to dedicate the time to think about this, and so we're just not going to talk, and we're just going to sit here and think until we're ready t- to but talk. T- but together. Yeah, together. Yeah, like but, a group uh, think almost. Yeah. I think generally uh, exclusivity in general is a bad thing,
1: period. But it depends on your perspective. Yes. It's a bad thing in, in the terms of like there's a lot of guys who get exclusive, and they have to put them on something, so they just – get thrown around this
0: there's, or, there's so or they don't do anything like that's yeah that's a, like we've we've seen and i'm not, i don't want to i don't want to get into specifics but we've seen a case of uh an artist go exclusive with with marvel or dc and for whatever reason it doesn't go well and then get literally banished to comics that don't matter and it's a waste of their talent and then they you lose them for a year and then,
1: yeah. then afterwards, they come out of it with less market value than they started because they're basically kept on the bench.
0: Exactly, exactly. Now,
1: on the other side of it, if you're an artist who is up and coming and, you know, you don't want to hunt around for work constantly, like, it can be a really good thing. It comes along with, you know, benefits like being an employee, having some sort of peace of mind for the future. Now, those are all things that, that anybody working wants. Yep. So there's that side of it. What's, what's funny is that, like, Ryan's not going anywhere. He's more or less exclusive.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's you know, exclusive in, in all but, na- yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I,
1: I, I was like, are you going to do it?" He's like, no, I like doing this. I'm good. And, and I, you know, it's funny. A long time ago, I used to say, like, I'd really love to see him do a bunch of other stuff. Because Ryan is an amazing artist. Yeah, uh, Really, really, and a really nice guy. But now I'm just like, "Nah, he's, he's on Invincible. That's his thing. That's what he does. You know, like, his style has become that thing. You know, it, it's part and parcel of Invincible every, much, every bit as much as Robert Kirkman.
0: Yeah.
1: Other guys... You know, sort of in a, in a situation where they don't go do anything else? That's
2: a good it's question. Hard, it's hard to say because people bounce around so much. There's hardly yeah, anyone that kind of sticks of on it. a book. It's Kirkman's guys. We used and to feel then, that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, Otley's a, a fantastic example. Of that We used to feel that way about Terry Moore, and then he went out and did a bunch of stuff, and it didn't really make much of an impact. So now we ended up that we like him better on his own stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oddly enough. I'm trying to think of somebody who's been on something for a really long time. There really Who isn't anyone that? anymore. Everyone sort
2: of does a couple issues here, a couple issues there, and bounces around, and there's no... I think people would make a case
1: for Scotty Young.
0: Yeah. Yes, yes, he's somebody uh, as great as Which the Oz, Oz. Oz books are. I really want to see him either come back or do his, all do his creator on stuff that he's been talking well,
1: about. Now, just by saying "come back," that pisses him off. Right No, I know, I know. Asking right. all the time, like, why don't you do real comics or what? That you know, right. it's, like, no, no, yeah,
0: I'm not discounting it. I, no, I, I, I don't, know,
1: I know, but I'm just saying, like, it's it, that's the kind of thing that people ask. Though they think, well, what are you going to do with – You know. He doesn't really want to do superheroes. He wants he's having fun doing Oz. He wants to do right. creative own stuff, but you know, he's exclusive. And that's you know, he got a he got a great deal out of it. But that's a guy, like it would be fun to see him let loose some of the skills that he's built up on Oz on some other stuff just to see what what happens. Yeah. I yeah. think is sort of what you meant. Scotty's
0: a good one there. Um it's a good question. I don't know who else is left. I mean people bounce. You know, like,
1: I like like uh, Mark Buckingham has been on fables you know forever well, but the
0: the, the, lucky th- the lucky thing is is that we, we had a exclusive battleground in the mid2000s that is starting to that those are those deals are starting to end. So you're seeing somebody like Ed Brubaker be able to leave Marvel and go do, you know, Fatality Image or, you know, who knows whatever he can do. You see, you know, you're seeing Mark Bagley leave Marvel, go to DC, come back to Marvel. You know what I mean? So I feel like the cycle is, you know, is churning a little. There's somebody else that I just thought of on the DC side that is no longer exclusive. um, And I can't remember now. There's a bunch of guys who are no longer exclusive who I've... Oh, know. Grant Morrison. Yeah, Grant Morrison. I mean, he was stuck in D.C. because of the exclusive, and now he's going to image to do other stuff. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he'll never go back to Marvel, but, uh, you know, but it's interesting to see them do other things. It's
1: funny. It used to be that image didn't count for the exclusives, and now it does. Yeah. Yeah. He's, Oh, you can do an image book. We won't worry about
2: that. And now that's like, what happens when you increase your market share to almost 10%. Yeah, exactly.
0: Anyway, all right. Well, we're running out of time, but uh, interesting question. So thanks for calling, and you can leave a voicemail at one fanboys It's one 326 2697 We do other podcasts. <laughs>
1: we do the Don't Miss podcast where we like to talk about a book on Monday that is coming out that Wednesday. This week, well, we've switched it up just a little bit, and I'm talking to Tom King, who is the writer of A Once Crowded Sky, which is not a comic book. It's a novel. What? About about superheroes as illustrated by Tom Fowler. Cool. Comic books. So I, I talked to Tom about that. Tom has one hell of an interesting story. He was in the CIA. Can't talk about it very much. And uh, you should listen to this and check out the book. The the cover is absolutely beautiful. And you'll you'll if you listen to the show, you'll find out there's a little bit of an iFanboy connection to that book. But it's a it's a full on real novel, you know, Simon and Schuster, you know, actual big deal publisher is is there
0: is there do i know this connection? oh i do know the connection you're right yes
1: that's cool did you
2: did you ask him who killed kennedy
1: he wouldn't well you
2: ask him about assassinating castro
1: (laughs) all right anyway they wanted to get the beard off him (laughs) it's fucking ridiculous without that beard besides that uh there's the uh make comics podcast which i do with andy schmidt we're actually going to be taking a a slight hiatus around the time of uh san diego just because we can't get shows done and out. so we'll don't miss Yeah, yeah yes That's true. Um, So we'll be back with uh, Make Comics and Don't Miss probably in a a couple of weeks after San Diego.
2: Josh, Ron, and I got together and talked about The Amazing Spider-Man, the movie no one's talking about that uh, we all went and saw. So if you saw Amazing Spider-Man, you want to hear a show about it, or you are just curious in general, you can look behind this show in the feed anywhere you are listening on iTunes or whatever aggregator you've got. Or it's available for streaming on iFamboy.com. You can find the three of us talking about Amazing Spider-Man, and the one who liked it the most might shock you. Shocking.
0: Shocking. (laughs) Um... <laughs> And then additionally, as we mentioned earlier, San Diego Comic-Con is upon us. It kicks off this week and we will be in San Diego. And if you are going to be in San Diego, we'd love to see you. There's a couple of places where you can do that. First off, you can see Josh on the seventh annual Comics Podcasting All-Star panel, which will be on Thursday in room nine at 6 p.m. So you definitely don't want to miss that. And then after the panel, come on over to the Andaz Hotel for the iFanboy Graphically Cocktail Party, which will be at the on the roof deck of the Andaz Hotel, same place where it was last year. Year from six to nine 600 f street uh you definitely don't want to miss it and if you haven't seen the flyer for the party it's Probably our best one yet. Uh, th- big thanks to Gabriel Hardman and Jordy Belair for helping us uh, get that flyer done, and it looks awesome. And we can't wait to see everybody and raise a drink with you and, and enjoy San Diego. So, uh, if you go to ifanboy.com, there's a there's a up in the in the buzzable Bar. There's a link to uh, the San Diego Goings Ons. And even if you can't go to the con, stay focused on ifanboy.com. We're going to be posting all the news as it comes out. And so, you know, if you can't, you know, if you're home away from the con, ifanboy is your home to be at the con. So there you go. It's Ron and I will be at the party while Josh is on the panel. Yeah, setting up. So. It might suck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the party or the panel. No, the party will be good. But you know, it depends. I'm I'm gonna get loaded. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I think I think it's time to start throwing throwing fire bombs on these panels because yeah. uh, listen, whatever it is that needs to be said has been said. So we're yeah. gonna have to be creative about this. Stale. St- I, listen, I'm not. I didn't use that word.
2: I'm not on the panel, so
1: I used the word. Listen. Fisto is an extra strong warrior with an enlarged right metal hand. Oh, I had Fisto! I totally had Fisto. <laughs> Fisto, <laughs> Mechanek is the master of the universe with a telescoping neck that enables him to serve as a scout and do reconnaissance. Man at Arms is the one who gave him his extended prosthetic neck. Apparently, when he was sleeping. <laughs> I <didn't know> what <laughs> Although in the 2002 series, this is never discussed. Oh, the 2002 series is only count. shown repairing kinks and damage to Mechaneck's neck. Oh, oh my God! Stridor,
0: Cyclone. <laughs> Roboto. Roboto, yes, Roboto, <laughs> Moss and of Man. course, <laughs> Mossman. Oh no, who, you know who was my oh. favorite was um oh yeah, Cyclone was my favorite because he spun. Cyclone was awesome because his whole torso was on a um was on a a, a thing that turned and there was a little wheel on his waist and you could make him spin into a cyclone.
2: Mm-hmm. Who was the B? Buzz.
0: Buzz. Buzz. Yeah. Oh, I see. I found him. Buzz was off. Never... No, it's Buzz it... off.
1: Buzz off. But his real name. <laughs>
0: It's unpronounceable. It's unpronounceable. It's. T- 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 <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry. Oh. I, that was. Uh, I oh, couldn't that, help That was great. Oh, sh- oh, Zodak. I forgot about Zodak. The Cosmic Enforcer. Mm hmm. <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, good times all right so moving on we're
1: running long
2: people you can go to family.com. sorry i was looking at the list of toys you can go to for my pick of the review and you'll be able to read ron's book of the month review very soon hopefully before san diego and all the great topics discussion the news if you want to know about marvel now we got all the information if you want to know about the new writers on catwoman and other books like that you can go to family.com for all of our social network links go to family.com slash about be our friends And follow twitter.com slash a fanboy special during San Diego and facebook.com slash a fanboy for all the news. You'll be posted there. It'll be like like you're at San Diego without any of the foot or lower back pain.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was funny. (laughs) Very good. I'll take that. That's good. Anyway, you can email us at contact@fanboy.com or leave a voicemail at eight 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 fanboys, which is 326-2697 With any questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics, etc., the things you want to talk about, we had a lot of really good questions lately. So thank yeah. you for uh, sending them in. the uh, voice, Voicemail has been very strong. Keep that up.
0: Yes, awesome. And if you like what you listen, what you hear on this podcast or on the Don't Miss podcast or the Make Comics podcast, go to iTunes and leave a, leave a review for those podcasts. Uh, let people know how much you enjoy it. I'm gonna help spread the word. And also, if you're going to San Diego or going to any Comic Con, let people know uh, that you listen to iFanboy. Wear you know, like you know, wear it on your shirt. If you got the old iFanboy shirts, wear them out. Let people know. Spread the word. You are our marketing team. You are our street team, and we appreciate it. So thank you very much. All right. Well, that's it. I got to go pack for San Diego because I'm leaving sooner than I thought. (laughs) So that happened. So until next time, I am Ron. I am Battle Cat.
1: I'm Cringer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And the
2: masters of the universe.
1: I am Adam.